The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. As announcer guy just told you, if you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave us a review, even if it's a bad one. It's okay. Thick skin over here. So we got a cool treat for you today. Two really big shots in the world of philanthropy. From the Ruderman Foundation, it is Jay Ruderman, the president, and Shira Ruderman, the executive director, and they are here in the virtual studio today. So, yes. David, it's a pleasure to join you today. (laughs) Same. You hear the capacity crowd on their feet? I I can hear them. I can hear them. I can see them. That's it's very inspiring. That's what we do. The, the, now is the time for artificial crowds, right? I mean, all year. Right. So, um, of course, if you haven't heard of the Ruderman Foundation, if you're from Boston, you should. Um, it is an organization which focuses on the inclusion of people with disabilities worldwide and educating Israeli leaders on the American Jewish community. There's also a podcast that you should know about people. Uh, yes, there's another podcast other than this one that is worth listening to. It's called All Inclusive, and Jay hosts that. You can find that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You've interviewed some pretty cool people. How do you know all those people? You know, there are various people that we've worked with over the years. Um, We're very involved in the entertainment world uh, in advocating for authentic representation of disabilities. So I've gotten to know many, many actors, um, directors, studio heads um, over the years, Um, local sports connections, Mm -hmm. people who in corporate America. And uh, the common thread is inclusion how do we make our society more inclusive society i mean we've focused on disability for years um people with disabilities are 20 percent of our population yet routinely ostracized and segregated so it runs throughout every aspect of society but it's been fun i've talked to a lot of you know really interesting people and um i enjoy it one one suggestion for a guest this just came to me completely random but uh, have, you ever, have you ever met Chris Cooper, the actor Chris Cooper? You know, I've never met him, but I know who he is, and I know he's local, and um, I love him as an actor, and he's a good he's a good suggestion. Thank you. Yeah, he and he has a family connection to autism, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look that up. I'll, I'll have our intern look that up. I believe up. that's true. Jimmy, look that up. That's my fictitious uh, intern. I have an intern. He just doesn't happen to be here today. Um, But I met him once at an event and he was super nice. If you don't know who Chris Cooper is, just wonderful actor. He was, he was either nominated or won an Academy Award for his portrayal of a really weird guy in a movie called Adaptation. So when I went up to him, I, 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 yeah, when I went up to him, I said, pleasure to meet you, Mr. Cooper. Thank you for everything you do for this organization. 
um, that character you played in Adaptation was just amazing, and I'm glad that, that Oscar was paying attention. But how come you got snubbed for your role in The Muppets? He was in that movie, too. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I, I hope you didn't think I was, like, making fun of him, um, but he said, uh, well, some, some roles you do for yourself and then some you do kind of for the money, you know? And I said, you were great right. in both. And he said, oh, thank you. Anyway, so... Shira, let me uh, throw this question your way. How has life been in 2020? How have things changed? Are you still able to do the wonderful work that you have done for all these years? It's obviously a very different year for all of us. Uh, being a parent for four kids, having uh, offices in a few places other than Boston, and having uh, international work made us... Um, really process and view things differently uh, starting, uh, you know, COVID in March. But I have to be honest to say that uh, I chose to look at how positively uh, it forces all of us, but myself to make some changes. Instead of just seeing all the challenges that COVID brought, and it did bring a lot of challenges. I mean, numbers and mental health, which is one of the areas we're working on are you know, increasing on a daily basis, the needs for so many social issues are increasing dramatically. But in the same time, it made us, I think, be a little bit more focused, uh, be more exact in our actions, uh, understand our partners and participants of our programs better, uh, to teach ourselves and our staff how to be more effective despite uh, and regardless of all the challenges of being remote um, and how to use opportunities when you don't plan them um, in the best way you can. So I'm not saying 2020 is the best year we had. I'm saying that 2020 brought a lot of interesting challenges that we did not expect for. And we decided to see how we can use the challenges to the best of our knowledge and to the best use that we can in terms of work. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to family, I think like everyone, there are, you know, good days, hard days, happy days, difficult days. And we have four teenagers and um, we're going through this journey like everyone else and quite of interesting challenge. How, ma how many folks are you quarantining with? <laughs> Little ones. Well, quarantining is an interesting concept because we have four teenagers ranging from the age of 17 to 12. Mm. I guess he's a preteen. Um, they are all in school. Uh, they go to Jewish day schools and, you know, last, uh, I guess, March, uh, they went out. Um, they were out the whole year. This year, they've gone back to school. Um, so they are exposed. I mean, they're very strict regulations within the schools mm -hmm. about social distancing, <clears throat> but they meet friends after school. Um, outside. Outside of school. And, and, and there's some social distancing and mask wearing, but, you know, I don't think it's foolproof. And I think that, um, you know, life goes on. I mean, one of the things that I think for a teenager different than an adult is, the social distancing is very difficult. It's part of their upbringing. They want to socialize. Um, in the spring, they were completely locked down, but it hasn't been that way recently. And and it's concerning because, you know, the numbers are going up. I have an elderly mother. 
Um, you know, we see her sometimes, although not, not that frequently. And, um, you know, the, the, the future is unknown. Yeah, that part's rough, right? My, my dad has had a rough year. He, he's actually, he wouldn't mind me saying, he's recovering from an injury in Spalding Rehab um, Hospital, which I had never seen. It's a wonderful facility. I just mm-hmm. wish I didn't have to visit him there. And it, yeah, that, that especially, I mean, for that generation, you know, um, it's just kind of a sad thing, you know, that you just can't see people as much as, as before. So, um, Shira, I'll ask you this. Has, has the pandemic maybe inspired some people to re-engage with the Ruderman Foundation? Because I find that some people seem to take, they take some time of reflection during spending so much time at home. I don't know if, if that's poss- possibly been a silver lining. I think, you know, we choose who to work with uh, Mm -hmm. because there are so many organizations and sectors and individuals. So we choose our partners and we choose them based on mutual values and mutual strategy that whatever we believe that needs to be implemented, they are the best to partner with to implement that because we do not operate our programs in most cases. And we had some fantastic partnerships over this uh, period of um, the, you know, six to six months to a year from the Boston Red Sox to uh, Boston University to uh, Bright, which are all Massachusetts and local organization and many more. MIT. MIT and, and Northeastern and really amazing places that we learned that when you have a mutual or common goal, mm-hmm. mutual value and a common goal to achieve together in Mass General, of course, there are many organizations you can work with. The question that we ask ourselves, it's not just who to work with, it's who is the best in what they do. And is it a new idea that no one did before? So mm-hmm. we can address it in a very entrepreneurial way. Uh, and this year, you know, I have to say, we had some really, really cool partnerships from the Boston um, police, you know, due to COVID, to Mass General, to, to uh, some local organization with the mental health portfolio, with the, the Jewish community that we come from and the general community. And it became an interesting mixture. Mm-hmm. What are those values? Because I imagine that must be a challenge to try to determine whether an organization is what they purport to be. Anyone can say that they have their heart in the right place, but how do you, how do you figure out how they actually do, whether they actually do? Well, I, I think we're looking for organizations that are established, serious organizations in the community, and we're bringing our issue to them, which is the inclusion of people with disabilities. So I'll give you uh, an example of our partnership with with Mass General Hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, Mass General Hospital, we started a program with them. Now they're obviously medical providers and they know how to treat people, but um, we worked with them on a program where they were treating people with autism and um, educating the entire, not just doctors and nurses, but the entire um, staff of the hospital of how to interact with someone with autism when they come in for medical treatment. And so I think this was something they were open to. They realized, you know, there are sensitivities to touch, to light, to, you know, how, you know, people are, are talking to them and, and, and it takes a, 
an education on how to deal with that. And so, um, you know, that's what we brought to them. And, and so far it's been a successful program and we've talked about expanding it beyond just autism to other forms of disability. So I think we're looking for, and we've always looked for influential players. And, you know, I think we bring not only the funding, but, but the expertise also, because usually our expertise on disability inclusion goes back 20 years and, and we know the experts and we know, you know, how it's done. And, and so we look for those types of partnerships. Um, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, COVID brought mental health to the forefront of the conversations. Everyone wants to understand better today how to do wellness and well, well-being and uh, what does it mean to give services if it's in the high school to colleges, which dramatically suddenly had to deal with all of these issues all in once because COVID brought up, you know, anxiety and depression and mental health uh, on, on the spectrum of many challenges to the forefront, but also policies, what the schools are doing. We're talking not just about students, we're talking about teachers and we're talking about uh, supervisors and we're talking about professors in college and, and the um, universities, uh, uh, presidents and many, many, many layers that usually do not deal with these issues had to address it. And I have to say that the one good thing for our experience working on the mental health portfolio due to COVID is that it brought it to the center of the conversation because many, many times organizations or institutions would like to remove this issue to the side because you know not really everyone has issues with mental health or mental health is not really something we want to focus on. And suddenly you don't speak about mental health just from minority experience. You talk about from a well-being. You talk about from a better way to run an organization for more productive methods. This allowed us to accelerate some of the things we're talking for years about, like guide to high schools services to kids in high schools that, you know, dealing with a lot of stress just simply due to, you know, college experience. And I, then when you go to college, you have to deal with tremendous uh, policies. So I think that, you know, looking at a challenge from a strategic opportunities and also from a scalability, meaning that you develop a concept that can be used in many institutions, many universities, or in our case, we wish that it will be in many states within the U.S. at least. Are you saying that this brought it to the forefront because the pandemic with its restrictions just caused a lot of people who have mental problems to have to suffer an additional layer of stress and anxiety because of staying in? Is that... Is that kind of where you were going with that? Not just. Okay. I th not just people that already deal with mental health. It brought up a lot of other sectors within our right. society that are usually not thinking about mental health as an issue that they need to deal with. But when you have employment and when you have, uh, sorry, unemployment and you have uh, so many unknowns in society and so many changes of behaviors, anxiety, depression, and many other forms of um, mental health became part of the experience that we all go through, which allowed us to at least address the issue in more comfortable ways and more entrepreneur ways, and also with more need. 
because more people understand that, okay, this is our time to start practicing it. When you have to let so many people work from home and the environment is very, very different and businesses had to close or shut themselves, you know, for such a long period of time, this is a stress on every aspect of society and not just people that usually associate themselves with the mental health challenges. I was, I have a son as, as you know, Shara, maybe you do too, Jay. I have a son with autism. So we were worried that Adrian would be um, unusually stressed and anxious because of the change in his schedule. Because as you guys know, people with autism don't like you to change the schedule <laughs> and man did right. the schedule change. But he uh, happily has been able to adapt. He was really, when the pandemic started, he had one day where he was really looking forward to going to uh, IHOP and then the YMCA in Stoughton to go swimming. And so I told him, we're still going to go. It's going to be a little different. I got takeout at IHOP, and then we pulled into the parking lot of the YMCA. And I said, now we're going to go swimming. And he said, are you kidding? And I took out a bottle of water. I poured it on my head. And I said, look, daddy went swimming. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he bought that actually. He was kind of accepting of it. Um, for more information about the Ruderman foundation, check it out at rudermanfoundation.org. And again, the, the podcast all inclusive with Jay Ruderman search for that in your podcast search engine. You'll, you'll find it. What, what's, um, what do you need the most help with these days? I guess, I guess, again, it comes around to what you might need differently in 2020 than other years, but it will, for people that want to get involved and interested in, the, in, the, in what you do, tell us what the, the biggest need is. Well, first of all, I mean, I'd like to talk a little bit about how COVID came about, because for us, it was very interesting. Um, we had, I think, the last public event before COVID. We, we do an event every year to honor my dad called the Mortney Ruderman Award in Inclusion, and we've given it out to people like Taraji P. Hansen, and uh, Michael Phelps and Marley Matlin and, and the Farley brothers. Well, the, the last, in 2019, in March, no, 2020, it's actually 2020 in March, right. we held about an event in, in LA. The, the Farley brothers who are from this area, they're sure. from um, uh, Rhode Island, um, but they, they're well known for their movies, Dumb and Dumber, Something About Mary, uh, Peter won the best Oscar, best picture Oscar for the Green Book. And we did a big event for them in Beverly Hills where we had Larry David and Cheryl Hines and Ted Danson and, and so many other um, of their friends who are, who are actors, Julian Edelman, which, you know, I don't understand the connection, but he was there. Um, <laughs> and it was a funny event because I remember Larry David, you know, went to shake his hand at that time we were shaking hands and he gave me an elbow. He's like, I haven't shook, shake, sh- I haven't shaken a hand in, in uh, two months. <laughs> and um, we finished the event it was a successful event. Peter is a great guy. Bobby um, is a great person. Bobby lives locally here in Massachusetts and they are real advocates within the industry for uh, inclusion of people with disabilities, all their films have had people with disabilities in their films. They made a they made a film about the, I haven't seen it, but I, I'm told I should about the Special Olympics, and um, yes. starring Johnny Knoxville, I think. Right. And it it looked kind of ham handed. It looked like it would be uncomfortable for me, but it was actually endorsed by the Special Olympics as right. as a shining example of inclusion. So well, they they have a certain brand of humor. 
And, and I think <laughs> yeah. you, you either you say that go for it or you don't. Yeah. But, but I will tell you, you know, they know the leadership of the industry. And we've worked together to really get to the executive level of the studios and say, hey, you're not really, you're talking about diversity and you've done a great job with other sectors of society, the African-American sector, uh, Asian, Hispanic, uh, LBGTQ, not so much with disability. And we're really putting it front and center and we've made a lot of um, great success. So we had, we had that event, flew home to Boston. I'm convinced I had COVID in March. I mean, you know, at that time they wouldn't, you, you couldn't get tested. Um, I didn't get tested. I tried the antibody test, I think seven or eight months later and I didn't, I didn't have it, but, um, but it was awful. I was, six for, I was sick for three weeks. We came back to that. We really, like most foundations and most people wanted to do something to address COVID. So our initial response was a large grant to Mass General Hospital to support uh, frontline workers, doctors and nurses who were, you know, dealing with a terrible situation, you know, back in in March and April. Um, we gave a grant to the police uh, for police officers and to deal with their mental health being on the front lines. Um, and we did a lot of media around this issue. I mean, one of the white papers that we released at that time was how do you triage? What, what happens when someone like your son or someone else with a disability comes into a hospital? Are, are they treated as a lesser person because of their disability? Uh, do, do hospitals decide to treat certain people over others because of life expectancy? Um, and, and that was a real issue that, that we brought out nationwide. But I, I think since then, for us personally, um, you know, we have an office in Newton. Um, the office is still open. We allow 25% of our, pop, of, of our employees to come in at any one time. I personally, I don't go to the office. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I'm fine working from home, from my home office. Shira is a little bit more social and wants to, you know, be in an office. But I think that the traditional view of like what it means to be in an office has completely changed for us. And I don't think we've lost any productivity because of it. I think we, we continue to be very uh, relevant on the front lines of, of what we do. So COVID has completely changed our lives. And I think we'll in, into the future. I mean, both on a personal level and a professional level. Mm -hmm. Shira, did you get it? No, you didn't get COVID. COVID. Oh, if I get COVID? <laughs> yes. No, thank you. No. <laughs> no, no, thank you is the I right answer. I thought if I uh, guessed what Jay said. Oh, no, yeah, I no, no, I know you got what I said. <laughs> Sometimes you get what I said. <laughs> um, we have disagreements. You'll be surprised. Oh, well, bring them out now. It's good good podcasting. By the way, you heard it here first. Jay Ruderman got COVID from Larry David's elbow. That's what I heard. Yeah. Anyway, I'm running with that story. Um we, uh, in the time remaining, we're going to do a quick round of Wicked Smart, the trivia game, and we're going to do a round of good stuff where all of us will recommend something good for you, the listener, to check out, whether it's a TV show or a book or a recipe or some such thing. We keep needing new stuff because we're still kind of stuck around. Before we do that, let me take one minute to tell you what we do here at 
Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Would you like your own podcast? Now's a great time to start one up. We have a lot of podcasts launching the past couple months. During the pandemic, we have been recording remotely. We've actually been recording remotely for many years now, so we're pretty good at it. We'll set you up with a quality USB mic, not one of those crappy ones. And we'll take care of everything start to finish. Podcasting is a great way to get in touch with your audience, whether it be clients, family, friends, whomever. The Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com, in pod we trust. All right, if you guys are ready, we're going to play Wicked Smart. We'll try. I'm smart! I like My boy's Wicked Smart. smart. <laughs> so, I thought we'd do a quiz that has sort of kind of something to do with your mission. Um, this is on the subject, it's a first ever on the Boston Podcast. It's a quiz on the subject of civil rights. So, if we did one on disability rights it would probably be a little more difficult anyway you guys will have no problem with this and um i don't know if we should pit jay against shira i think we will jay that's a good idea yeah (laughs) there are only all right you all you have to do is name this civil rights leader they're they're pretty easy so jay we'll we'll start with you This uh, American scholar and writer founded the NAACP. Under his leadership, the organization became a leading voice in advocating for anti-lynching legislation after, in the decade after World War I. Who was this uh, civil rights leader? Mm, Born 1868, died 1963. 1868. Du Bois. As a matter of fact, that is correct. Well done. I hope you're not going to ask me such a question, David. <laughs> that was actually one of the harder ones, W-E-B, Dubois. I never know if it's du- Dubois or Dubois, but either way, well done, Jay. Um, Thank you. All right, Cher, one of the most famous proponents of nonviolence, this person helped liberate India from the British Empire, leading to the creation of the world's largest democracy. Who is this civil rights leader? Gandhi. That's right. Yeah. Just to let you know that my grandparents are from India. Okay. So, of special importance. That's cool. Um, All right, Jay. This person was an activist for women's rights and human rights in the United States and at the United Nations. After the death of her husband, she served as the chair of the UN's Human Rights Commission and pressed for a successful adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Who was this civil rights leader? Um, Eleanor Roosevelt. That's right. Roadcast. Oop. Hit the wrong button there for a minute. Well done. I can't stump you guys yet. All right. Uh, Shira, this person served as the first African-American Supreme Court justice, and as the NAACP's chief counsel, he led court battles for civil rights. Born 1908, died 1993. Okay, so Shira is not originally an american although she's an american now so okay i can help i can help you with this if you want (laughs) the first african-american on the court supreme court right died in 1993 we actually saw a movie about him which you may not remember so say jay you want to take it thurgood marshall thurgood marshall is correct very good sure i have a different one for you this person uh there's no kind of an easy one so sorry if it's too easy but this person refused to uh she became the inspiration for the alabama the montgomery alabama bus boycott who is that civil rights leader we also saw a movie about her yeah and i know her name um 
I do know it. I just am blinking on the name. Can I give you the first name? Yeah. Rosa Parks. Yeah, <laughs> That's That's a, I do know that. I just I was blinking. If you, if you ask her about Israeli civil rights, no, leaders. I know civil rights. I just did not. Okay, I blinked on her name. Hey, no problem at all. Hey, uh, Jay, we'll give you this one because it's a hard one. Uh, this person penned the groundbreaking 1963 social critique, The Feminine Mystique, that was instrumental in launching the feminist movement in the 1960s. Gloria Steinem. No, no. Uh, close, though. Um, looking for... Helen Adele wrote the book about her. Huh? She started the feminism movement. Give me the year. 1963? 1963, she wrote the social critique, The Feminine Mystique. This was one of the feminist uh, leaders that was featured. Yeah. Fe- she was Everybody featured in a recent series, actually, called uh, Mrs. America, which was on the subject oh, of yeah, Phyllis, yeah. Yeah, Phyllis Schlafly. Pamela Adele wrote about her. Not Phyllis Schlafly. No, she's on the other side of the she's aisle. The yes. <laughs> um, Want the initials? Yeah. The initials are BF. Uh, BF. She was a close confidant of... Bella Abzug. No, she was a close confidant of Bella Abzug also, but um, mm. Betty Friedan is who we were Betty looking Friedan. for. Yes. Oh, feel. All right, you got me on one. All right. Um, Let's, uh, Shira will give you one more. This person campaigned to improve Latino farm workers' working conditions and raise their wages. He was a strong advocate for nonviolent strategy in organizing boycotts and hunger strikes in the U.S. Um, born 1927, died 1993. Farm worker, trade uni- unionist. You got it? Jay cannot resist saying it. He said Go ahead. it. Cesar Chavez. Check out the brain on Jay, yes. All right. Um, all right, I got one. I got one for you, Shira. This person was a writer, Holocaust survivor, activist, and Jewish rights leader. His memoir, Night, recalled his experiences in a concentration camp during World War II. Elie Wiesel. Yes, on the road. Yes, very good. All right, that last question was for five hundred points, so Shira wins. Congratulations! <laughs> yes. Yay! <laughs> you guys got five more minutes for me. Sure. Yes. All right. We'll play a quick round of good stuff. Oh, that's some good stuff. All right. Who wants to go first? You have something to recommend? Could be anything. Doesn't have to be related to the Ruderman Foundation. It can, but Jay, you know, I, go ahead. I think that that Netflix has been. I mean, we spend our when we have a moment, usually on a Saturday night, you know, watching a movie, and and I think that Netflix, to me, I've seen a lot of you know good things. I've just finished watching The Crown. I love The Crown. I know there's some there's some um, controversy about people saying it's more fictionalized, but it, it, the the entertainment value I think was just so. I love great. it. Isn't it just so well done? It's just so yeah. well written, and I mean. For those that don't know, it is, you know, the history, as it sounds, of the British crown. But this season brings us up through Charles and Die. I haven't right. finished it yet, Jay, so don't tell me how it ends. I mean, it, it probably ends the same way it ended in real life, actually, I guess. Right. But- I think you know how it, how it <laughs> yes, ends. But I think, I think, I I think that, uh, you know, I mean, it, for us, you know, we lived, it, it's, it's, it's not like, I mean, the crown runs from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Now they're in the 80s. You know, we live through this. Right. We know what it's about. We, we remember these stories happening, you know, as they happened. Um, the acting is just superb. I agree. So, it's great. 
And back in yeah. the back in the first couple seasons, John Lithgow was tremendous as Winston Churchill, I thought. Yeah. And now whoever the actress is that plays Diana, just give her an Emmy right now because she's the she spitting. She looks like her. Doesn't like, she? Yeah, yeah. Like, spitting it, image. It was, for me, it was probably one of the most amazing things. Like they truly found someone that looks just like her and she's an excellent actor. It's like, wow, what a... Exactly. She's got, um, she has down Lady Di's little downward turn of her head, that little, right. little um, precocious head nod thing. Anyway, um, that's a great one, Jay. I second the motion. Shira, you got something? It's hard. There are so many amazing, uh, I think, quality shows today. We, as Jay said, we love watching things that either are based on history or true stories. Um, and I have, uh, two shows coming to my mind. One is the help. Oh yeah. Where, um, the story of, uh, Madame C, CJ Walker, um, coming to, you know, reality. And I think it was played very well mm-hmm. by, um, Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I would highly recommend that. I also think the social dilemma. Oh yeah. Is an excellent, uh, um, excellent TV show to watch. I think uh, we all so connected to social platforms that we sometimes don't understand what's behind it. Yeah, um, was was that sobering to you? Was it eye opening? Oh. It was very scary. It, it, <laughs> it? Yeah, you know, it was very upsetting to hear what you knew but you couldn't prove that you know if you understand a little bit the pressures and, and the numbers around social media. I'm also a member on the Well Lab. Um, it's a children's hospital and the foundation is the partner. There are so much that you're exposed to that I wish kids and young adults and others could just come across. And I think the social dilemma brought it to the screen in a very well done uh, way. I'm also a big lover of good food. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me not to recommend uh, some good recipes. Please do. So how how do I uh, recommend recipes? Well, t- <laughs> tell us tell us what. Well, I can tell put us it. What's I can, in it? Yeah. Well, I can put it in the show notes of if you're willing to share your secret recipe. But tell us what what the the best meal that you've had or, or cooked up during the pandemic and. Oh wow. The best meal. Or whatever well, I, the best recipe you've come from. I love all of Shira's food. So whatever she makes, I eat and I thought, and I enjoy it. What's your go-to? My, my favorite, not mm. necessarily my kid's favorite. My favorite part of the meal are the salads. Mm-hmm. So I would tell you that there are many good Israeli recipes because we really love vegetables. Mm. So I would be more than happy to um, recommend not just chop Israeli salad, which I think a lot of us are Greek salad come across. Yep. Um, but I'm also a big lover of, uh, and I think we're in a good season for some good soup. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend. If you could only uh, have one soup, what flavor would it be? I love soup myself. I just made a beef stew in the uh, in the crock pot, and um, my entire home my entire home smells like beef stew now. What's but it was yours? worth it. I think I like split pea. Really? Split pea yeah. Is a very good uh, soup. I love tomato soup. Oh yeah. Onion soup. Like it's really hard to choose. But I think uh, COVID did allow us to try, right? To try 
um, cooking or baking a little more than we do usually. And I think it's a good exposure and a good skill to have. Absolutely. Um, I also think, um, you know, just as an aside, for me personally during COVID, um, I've started working out a lot. Um, I work out every day and I, I really feel that balances me. Yeah. You know, I, I, and, and I think that, you know, you have the opportunity to to be at home and to, you know, whether you use a treadmill or weights or, you know, whatever you do, it's so important, you know, because we're, we're at home for long stretches of time. I found a very strange way to work out that I can still do during the pandemic. I, I'm a gadget guy, so I bought yeah. one of those new VR go- virtual reality goggles oh, thing. Right. There is a boxing game on there that y- oh, you wow. you might as well just be boxing. I am absolutely exhausted afterwards, and mm-hmm. I'm punching at the air, but still, that's incredible exertion. That's cool. Yeah, I don't always win. <laughs> well, a- I heard I heard Mike Tyson is now free for another fight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am I am younger than him, just barely, right. but I am younger than him, so maybe I would How have would a shot. How would you like to get hit by Mike Tyson? That wouldn't be <laughs> no, good. No, <laughs> not ever. He could be 90 years old. I don't want to be hit by that man. Yeah. Um, very good. You guys are good sports. I'll share one quickly that just I was reminded your, your work with Israel reminded me of a TV show that came out. Uh, let's see. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not super new, but I bet a lot of people missed it the first time around. Did you guys see Hunter's? With uh, Al Pacino? No? Did you see it about hunting Nazis? That's right. Um, yes. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's yeah. good. It's pretty violent. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play the trailer here. You guys can watch. Our listeners at home will listen. We'll just play a little bit of the trailer of this. Uh, Hunters on Amazon Prime featuring Al Pacino. There comes a time where we all must choose between the light and the darkness. But when there is great darkness in this world, perhaps the choice is made for us. You know, for eons, people like us have been degraded and exterminated, but no more. There is evil among us, and you must remember, this evil starts is but a spot inside of them. Then it grows to a stain. Then it becomes a scourge. And we can't know such evil until it strikes. So the time to act is now. Before everything we hold dear to us is destroyed. Well, you get an idea of that's Al Pacino as a Nazi hunter in the, I believe it takes place in the 1980s. Um, So it's, it's kind of a period piece, but also it, it, you know, tells a tale and it's, it's fictionalized. It's not exactly a true story, although there are elements of it that are, that are based in fact and things that I did not know that, you know, a lot of the great uh, scientists uh, that were Nazis, they they weren't all they didn't all go to prison. They didn't all wipe off the face of the earth. There was actually right. a competition between the U.S. and Russia to grab those scientists because they had genuine talent and power, and you know they and you know the Cold War being what it was. Anyway, um, right. so this now it's you have to endure a little bit of um, 
creative license and and you know they dramat they dramatize as you can tell with al pacino's you know ominous tones but it's good it's i think you guys would both like it hunters it on out. amazon prime well you guys we've we had so much fun we've gone over time so i thank you guys for being so generous with your time jay and shira ruderman one more round of applause for him everybody so uh it is the website is rudermanfoundation.org is that the best way to get in touch with you and find out about how people can help and all that yes okay it is. all right asked and answered did you guys have fun a little bit? It was great, David. Yes. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right. Me too. It was really fun. Thank you, David. Thank you, Shira. Um, Jane Shira Ruderman, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and go to pod617.com if you're interested in your own show. On behalf of Jay and Shira Ruderman, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.